Good afternoon, one and all, and welcome to the Grateful Dad Radio Hour, a conversation about men at home, at work, and at play, with your host, Doug Gertner, the Grateful Dad. Every week, Doug is joined by fascinating guests who tell their own authentic stories and explore all that it means to be a man. To join the conversation, call 1-888-321-RADIO. That's 1-888-321-7234. And now, here's your host, Doug Gertner, the Grateful Dad. Good afternoon, moms and dads, boys and girls. Thanks, Cameron, for that introduction. And thank you all for tuning in to the Grateful Dad Radio Hour. A conversation I say about men, and at least today, it's about not just one man's journey, but uh, we'll focus on my trip, my family's trip to the Holy Land. Uh, That's where I've been the last three weeks. If you've been listening and noticed that while the shows were certainly interesting, I hope you found them interesting. They were uh, rebroadcasts, uh, encore uh, at broadcasts, as it were, from several of my uh, past shows, kind of hand-selected for you until I got back and started back at it. So I am back at it, and I want to really share with some depth today about uh, a, a pilgrimage, I call it a peace pilgrimage of sorts, uh, my first time in Israel-Palestine with a side trip to Jordan. So let folks know that we're on the air. You can, uh, since you're at your computer listening, very likely send them an email and tell them to do as you've done, to point their browser to castlerockradio.com or uh, send them out a quick text, uh, even put a link in it and they can come through that way. Or how about an old-fashioned telephone call. Pick up the phone, call a friend, and uh, tell them that I'm talking about uh, really opening up my Holy Land journal and talking about a trip to uh, a fascinating, complicated, enchanting, and and many levels, if, if, if I let it be, not just beautiful, wonderful, but also very troubling and disturbing uh, place. And uh, that's what I think we'll be talking about today. So let them know. If you want to tweet through to me, try at Doug Gertner. That's my handle. If you want to see more pictures from this trip, since we're not on Picto Radio, you can go to uh, my Facebook page. I posted a lot there. That's Doug Gertner, uh, my Facebook page. Or uh, while you're there and and maybe friending me, you're also flipping over to my Grateful Dad page and liking me. That's The Grateful Dads on Facebook. So today we'll uh, be talking about my Holy Land journey and opening up my Holy Land journal. If you missed recent shows and you want to go back, um, like that Beatles show I just mentioned or anything else, uh, just Just look at the archives page there on castlerockradio.com and you can find all my recent shows coming up uh, in in, um, next week. um, It's the return of Ron Feingold. Oh yeah, Cindy, we need to talk about how to get Ron's looping going here in whichever studio we're in. Ron Feingold's a comedian and he does acapella comedy and he'll be live in the studio in advance of his uh, appearances in Colorado Springs. On the 29th, we'll have an encore broadcast of Dr. Bill Ryan talking about working from the heart. I'm back uh, for sure on August 12th with The the Real War Within, Dr. Sam Sappington, a psychotherapist in uh, Portland, Oregon, who treats a lot of returning veterans from uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, talks about the psychological uh, and uh, post-traumatic issues that they bring to him. And of course, as we do every week on this show, I want to 
include and begin with what I call my moment of gratitude. I like to every week reflect on what I'm grateful for here. It reflects that every day I use my gratitude journal and I note several things for which I'm grateful. This just continues to remind me I have so much to be grateful for. And so today, as I kind of reintegrate and reflect on our recent travels, I want to just pause and offer my moment of gratitude for summer summer travels and safe arrivals, because I'm so, so grateful for the good fortune that has afforded us, my family, for the last nine years of these summer trips we take as a family. And I'm especially grateful for our most recent trip to the Middle East. I'm grateful for the planning we do so that our flights and our lodging and our transportation and activities have been thought out and we can just go and enjoy. And I'm also grateful really grateful for the freedom and spontaneity that happens within our plans that permits plenty of relaxing on the beach and wandering streets and museums and just hanging out in cafes. And gratefully, I appreciate how blessed we are to have the means and the time and all it takes to get away this way. And with gratitude, I appreciate the homecoming that ends each trip each year, safe and sound so far and ready to refocus on daily life and begin to think and plan again for next year's big summer trip. So that's my moment of gratitude for this week for getting away and coming home. And once again, I'm grateful to everyone for listening to the Grateful Dad Radio Hour today. I do encourage you to try to make a habit of being grateful. You're sick of hanging around and you like to travel. you tired of traveling you want to settle down. What a long, strange trip indeed, trucking. Let me add that I'm also asking this question of you, my listeners. Take a moment, if you will, and consider what are you grateful for today? Think about it and go to my website, thegratefuldad.org slash shop to get your copy of The Grateful Dad's Gratitude Journal and start keeping a gratitude journal of your own today. So um, I always give what I call my uh, my my full circle fatherhood report. It's it's based on that uh, contribution I made to the men's anthology titled Ordinary Men, Extraordinary Lives, Defining Moments. You might recall I've been blogging and, and talking about this for a good year and a half now as I realized that uh, fatherhood came full circle for me when as a dad caring for my son, I also took on the care of my father who died in February. Still thinking about him as I... Uh, Think about this week's Full Circle Fatherhood Report, which I'll just call the promised land. You see, my teenage son was ambivalent about a trip to Israel. Just just about a year ago, after we returned from three weeks in Alaska, we discussed the plan to visit the Holy Land the following summer, the first time for all of us, potentially the trip of a lifetime, and he could take it or leave it. I tried not to get triggered at what sounded ungrateful to me. I tried to follow the lead of Molly Wingate and Marty Woodward, the authors of the Slow Parenting book, so I held my tongue and I held out hope that his attitude would change. 
And it did. It did indeed. Later that same summer, he gets back from two weeks at his Jewish sleepaway camp. And Jordy, I got to say, he had this new enthusiasm for a trip to the Middle East. Here's why. It seems that several of his camp counselors were young Israeli men, fresh out of their military service and off to see the world. They made quite an impression on my son, and it was mostly very favorable. So with this new interest in visiting Israel-Palestine to see for himself what his camp counselors had described, Jordy embraced the trip planning and was a full and active participant in every aspect of our journey. As progressive American Jews, we carried our questions and our concerns in our day pack, so to speak, looking for every opportunity to learn about the rich and varied history of the region and to confront the past and ongoing political and religious situation directly in an honest and truly balanced way. I was really glad that my son took such a strong interest in these matters as we all took away so much food for thought from the trip. With this trip happening less than five months after losing my father, he was still very much on our minds throughout the journey. It occurred to me that, to my knowledge anyway, my dad never visited Israel. I remember wondering about the political buttons in our home growing up that said, we are all Zionists. And I recall that my older stepsister went on a teen trip to Israel. A debauch hippie free-for-all was how she uh, painted it upon return. I do believe that my father had an interest in the success of a Jewish state and did some fundraising in our town. But as I think about it, I'm quite certain he never ventured there. So this trip was not just for me, but also for both my father and my son. And looking back on the journey just ended, I think it served us all. My dad instilled in me a worldview that said it's never too late to explore new places. And I, in turn, have encouraged and provided plenty of opportunities for my son for exploration and new experiences. We mixed lots of history with a modicum of politics and ample relaxation during our three-week sojourn in the Promised Land. A pilgrimage of peace at once personal and also in service to learning more about how justice might come to the many diverse peoples of the Middle East. We came with plentiful questions and left with even more. We knew the situation to be complex and now are all the more certain of that. Both my son and I and my father of blessed memory recognize our connection to a land and a people that we both love and hate and feel at once some fear and also great comfort with. We're both proud and ashamed of the state of Israel. We agree and disagree with and agree again with her actions. It's the natural and appropriate reaction to where we've been and what we've done. And the journey continues every summer and every day in between. And that's the Full Circle Fatherhood Report for this week. I'll post it soon on my blog at thegratefuldad.org. That's the Grateful Dead, of course, doing, uh, I guess, of course, doing uh, Chuck Berry's Jet to the Promised Land. So a different promised land that he had in mind. But let's get going with uh, what I'm calling my Holy Land Journal. So um, 
where, why, who, what, when, how, a lot of questions. Let's start with, with the where and then go to break and then come back with the why and the who and the what and all. So where did I go? I mean, to most people, I went to Israel. Okay, with a side trip to Jordan. I mean, that's that's how most people call it. But I, of course, used the Lonely Planet Guide. That that was our uh, tour book that we got a hold of. Thanks to Robin and Devin, when their trip plans changed, they uh, bequeathed their copy of the Lonely Planet Guide to us. And it says it's a guide to Israel and the Palestinian territories. So that's probably the most proper uh, way to refer to the region that we visited, Israel and the Palestinian territories. But as I said, uh, as a progressive American Jew in my community, we often add Palestine as a place to the title. We'll say we're going to Israel-Palestine, that we know somebody from Israel-Palestine. What's that all about? I mean, you've noticed that I've been referring to the Holy Land, and that, uh, that, that's with purpose, because it just it, it leaves all this naming stuff out, and people know where I'm talking about just by that reference. So, so um, Israel, Israel and the Palestinian territories, Israel, Palestine, the Holy Land, the Promised Land. I'm going to leave that question uh, to my guest, and I need to alert you that uh, the guesting has changed. I sent out a notice that um, that Karen Aviv, Dr. Karen Aviv, would be joining me, and because of a late conflict, um, I've swapped her with uh, my friend Rabbi Brant Rosen, who'll be uh, calling in from Chicago. So I'm going to leave that question for him. Brant, I've been there, but where is it? Where do you call it? Where was I? Israel, Israel, Palestine. You help me understand. Stick with me. This is the Grateful Dad Radio Hour. It's my Holy Land Journal coming up right after this. This is the Grateful Dad Radio Hour. Back with you. I'm Doug Gertner, your host, the Grateful Dad. And today it's my Holy Land Journal. We are looking at the who, what, when, where, why, and how of my recent uh, three-week sojourn to Israel, Palestine, Jordan. And um, I, I tabled the question of where. You know, Israel's the shorthand name. Israel, Palestine is is the more inclusive and progressive. Israel and the Palestinian territories, although I did not cross into uh, those territories, getting close but uh, missing a connection. Um, I'll say more as that comes along. So I'll 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 get a quick naming question from uh, Rabbi Brant Rosen when he joins us in about fifteen minutes. But between now and then, I want to try to answer those other questions. So why? Why did I go? And some might say, what took me so long? Uh, early fifties uh, before I got there. Um, the 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 purpose the 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 impetus for going other than uh, hey I've been meaning to go there my whole life was my cousin's daughter's bat mitzvah you know we've talked about bar and bat mitzvahs mostly bar mitzvahs as rites of passage uh, for young men into manhood on this show and um, my cousin Hud uh, my first cousin his daughter Kaylee was having a joint bat mitzvah with Rabbi Steve Foster's uh, granddaughter. And so there we were with a, a, <laughs> a great excuse 
to go to Israel. And um, I heard about this from um, my cousin at Jordi's uh, Bar Mitzvah in, in October of 2011. And literally on that day, October 29th, when she told me of her plans for Kaylee to be bat mitzvahed on um, Masada um, in June of uh, 2013, it was it was just a done deal. We are in. Maggie and Jordi and I said at the time, we're going to make it. We're going to do it. And um, we were, as I suggested, blessed to have been there. So uh, that uh, that why shows up in the chronological travelogue that I think uh, I'll sort of do to kind of answer the what and the where question. What did I do? And 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 what did I think? And and where did I go? And then finally, how did I feel while I was there? So, um, you know, it's a trip flying there because as soon as you get to the uh, Tom Bradley International Terminal to the El Al uh, area at uh, LAX, it, it, the world changes and you get asked these questions that don't make a lot of sense. They say, you know, um, so are you Jewish? Do you speak Hebrew? Where do you worship? Were you bat mitzvahed, bar mitzvahed? Uh, what's your rabbi's name? I don't really know what that's about other than LL is known for doing amazing security. And it's, it's as if they, they kind of forego a lot of the nonsense we do through the TSA in this country and profile us psychologically while we're still in line to get our boarding passes and you go from there. So we get on a long international flight, just one little vignette from that. The, um, the, 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 sort of trip tracker graphic that we saw the whole time was interesting because as we were headed out, no matter what direction the plane was pointed, there was always an arrow showing us where Jerusalem was. And I thought it's, it's a long way to Jerusalem. In fact, we're, we're, we're really landing, landing at Ben Gurion, Tel Aviv, Yafo. Why is there always an arrow pointing to Jerusalem? Now, mind you, the plane is full of Black hats, let's just say it. Lots and lots of Orthodox, very ultra-Orthodox folks flying home to the Holy Land. And my question about that arrow pointing to Jerusalem was answered kind of as dawn broke and, and, and <laughs> felt like the middle of the night to me, like some kind of dream. I awoke from that half sleep that I was able to get on the plane only to see several men standing in the aisles in full regalia, tefillin and tzitzit and, and their heads covered and their bodies wrapped in their talit, all facing the direction of the arrow, the direction of Jerusalem to uh to Davin to say their morning prayers. So that <laughs> welcomed Israel before you've even landed, Doug. We landed, as I said, at Ben Gurion and took a taxi immediately to our first night stay. And, and it's significant where we stayed the first night. The place is called Neve Shalom, Oasis of Peace, also known as Wahit As Salam in, in Arabic. Uh, the Oasis for Peace. It's a it's a cooperative village jointly founded by Israeli Jews and Israeli Palestinian Arabs in an attempt to show that the the two peoples can live side by side peacefully and conduct educational work for peace, equality, understanding between the two peoples. It's located in a village that was right on our way between the airport to Jerusalem where we were headed. So we spent a night there. It's, 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 it's powerful to note to me that since 2006, um, Neve Shalom Salam has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize four times. It was just 
a good place for us to stay before we headed into Jerusalem. But head into Jerusalem, we did. And it was kind of like night and day because we went to stay at the headquarters hotel chosen by this uh the, the, the bat mitzvah party, uh, sometimes known as the wedding party, right? Because um, you've got to really do it up to do a bat mitzvah in Israel. And so we were staying at a very, very nice hotel. But uh, I'll tell you something that happened right away, other than uh, changing some money with uh, Marvin's uh, money changer. We're wandering um, down a main street in Jerusalem, in, in, in just the heart of Jerusalem, not far from our fancy hotel, we wandered into a bookstore, Maggie, Jordy, and I did, and, and lots of books in Hebrew that we're not going to read, but one jumped out at us. Um, it, it's called How to Understand Israel in 60 Days or Less. The author is Sarah Glidden, G-L-I-D-D-E-N, and anybody who's trying to understand this this crazy place and its history in less than a lifetime, I recommend you pick it up. If you're not familiar with it, it is a graphic novel, which is just about my speed, folks, but um, I got to tell you, this is great, and I invited Sarah on. She couldn't be on the show today, but uh, the author, uh, the, the cartoonist, if you will, will join us at another time. How to Understand Israel in 60 Days or Less by Sarah Glidden. It's even, uh, it's published by Vertigo, but but also, um, also uh, published by DC Comics, so... Um, her point of view, although her life experience is very different than ours, it was like following our trip through everything that we did. So later that evening, we hooked up. It's, it's, it's Friday. It's, we're preparing for Shabbat. And yet, what contrasts? There we are and, and in, in Jerusalem, and yet there's a Formula One race. So we're getting ready for Shabbat, for, for the Sabbath, and there's a Formula One race. And Cindy's like, wow, I would have loved that, you know, as a as a, a, cow, a car guy, as she calls herself. Um, she would have loved that. And um, we hooked up with, as I call it, the wedding party, the, the bat mitzvah party. And um, that night, the bat mitzvah girls, the, the two girls who would be having their bat mitzvah a couple days later, actually um, led a Kabbalat Shabbat service on the steps um, below the Al-Aqsa Mosque there in the old city of Jerusalem. And what a powerful place to be. And after that, after the, the, the welcoming of the Shabbos bride, I made my way for the first time to the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, the Kotel. The, uh, the, some would say the most holy and sacred place remaining in, in all of Judaism for all time. And, and head covered, I, I worked my way up to the wall through all these men praying fervently to, to uh, welcome the Sabbath, the, the men in black hats and, and men in fur hats and, and young and old and soldiers. And, and you have to understand it's divided, of course, between men and women. And, and I, I was with Jordy and we kind of waded in and it reminded me of being at a rock and roll show because with as much rock and roll as I've seen in my lifetime, I would, I would um, easily get to the front of the stage. And that's what I did. And I got near the wall and I got to say, as I'm standing there among all these guys doing their prayers and, and you know, it's, it's, it's as if they're dancing. And I thought to myself, 
So, okay, so here I am. I'm a few yards away from this wall. This sort of sense of remo- remove made me think I have prayed in holier places. I mean, my men's group, my my my, my minion goes off to the woods twice a year and 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 we say our prayers in in you know these wilderness settings and here I am and it's a wall and there's lots of people I I I I stepped away for a while and then I came back and I got closer and I put my head and my hands right on the wall and it it was still so warm from the sun and and it was still so smooth from all the people who had prayed there and I put a little note in it that said please bring peace to this land and I had a feeling like nothing I've ever felt before I I can't begin to describe the 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 elevation I I I felt I mean so trite, a religious experience. I am at this ancient wall and I'm experiencing something like I've never felt before, never in the presence of, of my brothers and sisters and, and the Jews in my life and, and never, you know, even, even when Jerry was alive and, and playing those licks like only he could. I, I can't even describe it, but I really felt, I, I really felt the ancient power, the ancient mystery, the presence of the Shekhinah, of, the, of the, 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 the feminine embodiment of the divine. And I was totally confused, overwhelmed, consumed by the experience. I, I pulled away pretty quickly, just really not sure what I'd experienced, but knowing that that was why I'd come. And I'll tell you a little bit more after we get back about where I was and what I did. And then I'll be joined by Rabbi Brant Rosen. This is my Holy Land Journal. You're listening to the Grateful Dad Radio Hour. I'm Doug Gertner, the Grateful Dad. Stay with us. We will be back shortly. Grateful Dad Radio Hour and my Holy Land Journal uh, chronicle very quickly of my recent trip, and then I've got a special guest waiting in the wings. So here we were in Jerusalem having what I'm calling a uh, cliche, but a religious experience at the wall. And then we got back on the bus. See, this is not typically how Maggie and Jordy and I travel, but as I said, we were part of this party and maybe you caught that a, the other bat mitzvah girl was a the daughter of a prominent uh, uh, liberal reform rabbi and he had arranged the tour to end all tours from a Kabbalat Shabbat on the Southern Wall steps that night and a visit to the wall. We went everywhere. We took a walking tour of the, the old city, all four quadrants, the Christian quarter, the Armenian, the Jewish, and the Muslim. We went into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and I got to tell you, my Christian friends, what an amazing place. I mean, they're, 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 you know, I know the story of Jesus almost better than I know the history of my own Jewish people. I mean, living in a Christian country, how can I not? I know this song that I love, um, Three Men on a Mountain, Up on Cavalry, and the Man in the Middle is Jesus. Here's the thing. Cavalry's indoors now, apparently. It's in, within the ho- the church of the Holy Sepulchre. So that was a little bit strange. Um, from there, 
We also got to see the Knesset, Israel's parliament, the menorah with all the biblical emblems on it. We went over to the Israel Museum and went into the Shrine of the Book where the Dead Sea Scrolls are housed and um, saw this Holy Land model, which was uh, kind of a trip. But then we got back on the bus, y'all, and we headed down to Qumran where the Dead Sea Scrolls were actually found. And that was also a trip. That was the night that we also made it to the Dead Sea. And uh, as you've heard, floating in the Dead Sea is an amazing thing. Now, here's the silliest, possibly the silliest thing that we did on this trip, since this is sort of a a cheesy spa resort area that we were inhabiting down there at the Dead Sea. Jordy and I looked and we said, nah, I don't want a massage. I don't want a foot massage. I don't want a wrap. We got our Feet nibbled by fish. Have you heard of this? Yeah, Jordy and I, <laughs> it was the funniest thing. You put your feet in this vat full of little fish and they nibble it and they call it a spa treatment. So that and buoyancy is what I remember about the, the Dead Sea. Got up early the next morning and um, decided rather than in, in accompany the uh, bat mitzvah party up to the top of Masada on the cable car, Maggie, Jordy, and I um, treated it as as an opportunity to go hiking. Now, we didn't do what most people do and get up so early that we would see sunrise on uh, over the Dead Sea uh, from the top of Masada. So it was a hot or... Uh, trek than we needed to make. but um, and, and, and one little mystical moment I got to tell you before we even started, we were having a little breakfast at the base of Masada before we got on to uh, the snake path and my telephone rang and it was none other than a former guest on this show and um, one of my other Rebbies beside the one who's calling in today. It was Rabbi Jack Gabriel and I pick up the phone and what do I hear but his angelic voice singing Happy Father's Day to you. And yes, it was Father's Day back in the States and soon to be Father's Day here. And um, Rabbi Jack said, I was just thinking of one of my favorite fathers. So nice to get a little blessing from the Rebbe before we hike to the top with all of the uh, taglit, the, all of the birthright trips coming down already as we uh, were headed up. The bat mitzvah was amazing. It, it was it was in the ancient synagogue there. And if you're not familiar with the story of Masada, you should look it up and then you should throw out everything you've heard because unless you read the real story of Masada, you know it's been it's been uh, re. I think maybe Rabbi Brandt could give us a little uh, version of this, but it's been retooled to kind of promote uh, Jewish resilience when in fact it's, it's a real, you know, it's, 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 it's a tragedy of epic proportions that's been kind of retold. But what an amazing place. This um, palace uh, originally built by King Herod, taken over by the uh, Jewish zealots who made their last stand against the Roman legionnaires up there on the top of Masada. I got to say that after the hot hike and and sweating bullets, oh, that's a bad analogy, isn't it? Sweating heavily up there on Masada. What a treat to go to the oasis at En Gedi on our way back to Jerusalem. More time in the city of David, another visit to the Western Wall via the tunnels. Um, 
and and finally a visit to Yad Vashem, the the uh, Holocaust memorial, all part of our stay in Jerusalem. From there, we flew, if you can believe it, flew down to the Red Sea port city of Elat and had a great day at a real beach down there on the Red Sea. And then our side trip the next day was to walk across the Rabin border crossing into Jordan and spend the day in the ancient, ancient uh, Nabataean city of Petra. Again, Google it, look it up, get there if there's any way you can. It was incredible to be in a true Arab country. And things changed. Just crossing that border and riding with a guide the two hours um, from the border to Petra. You know, the Bedouin presence increased much more than we'd seen in the Judean desert. And um, really just talking. And, 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 and mind you, this is while Egypt is heating up. This is while Syria is at war. This is an amazing time to be here. From Elat, we made it back up to um, Tel Aviv, Yafo, and actually into the uh, old Jaffa area where we took an apartment for two weeks uh, in the Pishbashuk, in the flea market area. And if there is a cooler part of Israel, Palestine, certainly of Tel Aviv, I cannot believe that it exists because the Pishbashuk is where it's at, man. <laughs> what a great place to stay. We were within steps of a, of a Mediterranean beach, with which we went to several times. We found our way uh, via electric bikes to the Tel Aviv Museum of Art and to the Museum of the Di- Diaspora. Thanks, Brant, for recommending that. The Florentine neighborhood, the Carmel Market. Um, we did it all. And that was just in three days before we took off with an amazing guide named Chaim, really an educator. Not, not He just happened to agree to guide us. He was somebody Maggie knew through the Melton uh, Adult Mini School. And we made our way through Caesarea, Zikron Yaakov, Ein Hod, Haifa, and up to Akko there in another ancient port feeling really like we were in a Muslim city. I didn't speak smoke a hookah, but that's just because I wanted to set a good example for my son. From Akko, we went through Zippori, and I asked to visit another holy Christian site, and we went through Nazareth and up to the Church of the Annunciation, the Basilica of the Annunciation, where it said that Mary received word from the angel Gabriel that she would be carrying the Son of God. Then on to the Canaret, the, the, the Galilee, and finally up to the sacred city of Sfat, uh, the, 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 the high place of mystics where we spent Shabbat. And what an incredible day. But before that, um, in preparation, we took a ride across the River Jordan and up to the heights of Golan and up to Har Bental, Mount Bental, where we could actually see Syrian bunkers from the time when Syria occupied this land. We were, what, 60 kilometers from, um, uh, uh, where would that have been? Amman, Jordan, um, Damascus was, was, you know, not all that far away. And I looked down, I saw this scorched ground and I asked Chaim what that was. And he said, that's Syria. You can see the UN peacekeeping base below, although his opinion was they would turn tail if anything turned nasty. But there had been a skirmish just days before in this awful civil war between Bashar Assad's loyal troops and the rebels who are seeking to overthrow the regime in Syria. And we were seeing still smoldering ground from that. 
while buying fresh berries at the top of Mount Bental. We had an amazing mystical Shabbat in Sfat. It was as peaceful as the war uh, areas that we had just visited. Um, we stayed in the artist quarter in a guest house and we were invited to spend Shabbos with an amazing uh, traditional family. And uh, what, a, what a Shabbat that was. We made our way through the Canaret across the Sea of Galilee. I did try to walk on water, but I guess I'm not the right Jewish guy to do that. And we ended our time in Old Jaffa, except for one amazing side trip that we made. And that was to Ramat HaNegev, to the Negev Desert, to a community that's a sister city with um, the Denver area. And um, it, it, it was fascinating because we'd been taking taxis everywhere. I refused to drive in Israel. So we were taking taxis everywhere. And I'll tell you, partly because of the language barrier, we never had a conversation with a taxi driver the way you do in this country until we got in this taxi sent from the Negev to bring us down there to have a day of adventure. And we got a tour the whole way. And when the driver, a man in his 60s who had served in the conflict in Israel in 1973, when he found out that we had been in the Golan, he said, oh, would you be interested in seeing... Um, Gaza, not as if he could take us in there, but he took the alternate route, the less fast route to where we were going and took us very close to the Gaza Strip. And as we got out, he said, I just want you to see these buildings are still standing. Don't believe everything you hear. And I want to table that till after the break when we start talking with Rabbi Brant Rosen and just say that we had an amazing time in the Negev. We stayed in this eco farm and winery um, and the most amazing accommodation. I mean, I've stayed in some amazing places on the side of Pikes Peak in a lean-to in a yurt up in the Colorado National Colorado State Forest. But the uh, River Rock floor and the eco building at this winery that that uses an ancient aquifer and Nabataean um, irrigation to to make this wonderful wine and host us. That was an amazing place. And the next day we got up first time this trip before sunrise and we walked the farm trail and we watched the sunrise over the desert, an amazing breakfast, a bike ride. I'll tell you another time about Maggie dislocating her finger on the mountain bike ride. It felt like we were in Moab, except we were. <laughs> and, um, we also got to some hot springs to the burial place of uh, David Ben-Gurion. We even, in addition to meeting with the regional council, they even arranged for the, I know it's a cliche, but for the camel ride. So we did it all uh, in the Negev and came home just in time to catch our flight home. That's a quick travelogue. And to help me make sense of it right after this break, please stay tuned. Rabbi Brant Rosen is going to join us. You're listening to the Grateful Dad Radio Hour on CastleRockRadio.com. It's the home stretch of My Holy Land Journal, and I um, hope you've enjoyed the travelogue so far. We're going to do not quite a 180, but um, I want to bring in my guest, Rabbi Brant Rosen. He's the spiritual leader of the Jewish Reconstructionist Congregation in Evanston, Illinois, a graduate of UCLA and the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College. Um, 
he's an amazing rabbi, but besides being a pulpit rabbi, Brant's a longtime activist for, for peace and social justice and human rights. He was my rabbi for many years. I can still, still consider him a teacher and a friend, and I've admired his delegations to the former Soviet Union, Nigeria, Rwanda, Uganda, Iran. I just want you to know that in two, uh, 2010, Brant Rosen was uh, awarded the Inspiration of Hope Award by the American Friends Service Committee of Chicago for his activism on behalf of peace and justice in the Middle East. You can read both of his blogs, which I do every week, Shalom Rav and Yadid Nefesh. Um, And you can also pick up his book, Wrestling in the Daylight, published just last year by Just World Books. I'm thinking there's a whole show just in conversation with Brandt. He was honored by Newsweek magazine, one of the top 25 pulpit rabbis in America in 2008. He lives with his amazing family in Evanston, Illinois. Rabbi Brandt Rosen, thanks for calling in and adding your perspective to my Holy Land Journal today. Thank you, Doug. Thanks so much for having me. So a very gracious introduction. You know, I'd like to know what you're grateful for. I'd like to know defining moments in your life. That's what I usually ask my guests. And if you want to wrap that in, please do. But I just got to cut to the chase. I asked at the start of the show, what do I call this place? As a progressive Jew who believes in peace, you know, I started out saying we're going to Israel-Palestine but I must have backed off on that as I was there, and, and I, I became enchanted by the land, and everywhere I looked, it, it, it seemed like those were my cousins and my brothers, and, and every face that I looked in was familiar to me. It's the familiar face phenomenon because Jews of every type are there, and they remind me of people I know, and yet there were faces that were clearly not Jews. They were, they were Arabs. They were Israeli citizens of uh, who were Palestinian living in in Israel, and that's not to mention the fact that I was unable to get into the uh, West Bank and certainly wasn't able to go into Gaza. Talk me down from this and and get me back to this stance of the peacenik that I am. I mean, really. Sure. You know. Well, it's you know. I don't want to talk you down per se. I mean, you had a, an experience, a powerful experience, uh, a certain kind of experience of Israel. You went as a Jew to um, the, the Jewish state, and you experienced uh, a dimension of Israel that I think for, for most Jews it's very difficult to, to not go away transformed on some level. Uh, and I, I, as I listened to you speak and I read your, your travelogue while you were there, I, I, I knew exactly where you were coming from. I could relate to many of the experiences uh, that, that you described. I think the important thing to keep in mind, and uh, without taking away from the power, the transformative power of so much of what you experienced there, I think the important thing to keep in mind is that you experienced a part of the reality there, but certainly not the whole part. You, um, you Really, you know, one way to look at it is geographically speaking, you you experience an uh, uh, Israel, the, the Jewish, the, the the Jewish Israel, the Jewish state Israel, uh, but you uh, you didn't, as you mentioned, you didn't venture into the West Bank, you didn't go into Gaza, and I think to get a full picture, you one way or another, you need to do that. Uh, that. Um, I, I, you know, I tried, and and yeah. I missed I missed a connection with uh, Rowan Zaiton, who is a, a 
Palestinian living in, in East Jerusalem who works for the peace program, Building Bridges for Peace, that people need to check out and we'll be talking more about in future weeks. And instead of getting into the West Bank with her where I felt I needed a guide, we met up. And again, it was one of the, the, the best parts of the trip was to sit down and ask the kind of questions I'm asking you. What, what would I have encountered if I'd gotten there and, and how might it have changed my view of things? Well, I think the, it would be, it would, you would see some very, very deeply troubling realities. Uh, you would see military occupation. You would go into the West Bank and you would see uh, Jewish settlements uh, that, uh, and Jews who are living under civil law and uh, non-Jews, Palestinians who are living under military law, two different laws for different people. You would see settlements with swimming pools and green lush lawns because they have uh, access to the water rights. And then you would see small Arab villages literally next door uh, that have none of that infrastructure, uh, who are not allowed to uh, building permits where they could they can uh, build onto their uh, into, into their homes and their and their villages, and and if they try to, their homes are demolished. So you would see really a very crushing military occupation, a very, in my opinion, very unjust military occupation that is quite toxic, uh, actually, and. One of the things I think is important to keep in mind, at some, at some point you have to accept it, that these are not two different places. Uh, the military occupation is generated by Israel, by the, the, the land that you were in. And uh, you can't really separate one from the other at the end of the day. Um, that you were, The West Bank and Israel proper are one land. Um, they are connected in all kinds of very uh, powerful and profound ways. And that sooner or later... I think it's very important for us as Jews to go to the other side of that line, uh, the other side of the green line, and see these things for ourselves and uh, confront them for ourselves. Because otherwise we're getting the sort of hermetically sealed, um, wonderful Jewish experience as a Jew, uh, but we're not getting the full experience, which is a much darker, um, which is a much darker reality. As I was there and, and gazing out across the, that you know, beautiful hilly landscape of Jerusalem and, and leave it to my beloved partner wife Maggie, who says to this uh, very mainstream tour guide, as we're looking out and she's pointing out the sights, <laughs> you'll love this, bless her heart, Maggie says, and what's that, what's that long wall over there that we're seeing? And she gets the tour guide to give an explanation. And, and, and what exactly were we looking at, Brant? when we looked at this wall that we could see? Well, you're looking at a wall that has been, is current, has been constructed, is still being constructed, that is basically walling off the West Bank from Israel proper. Uh, it's not being uh, built along the Green Line, in other words, the internationally recognized border between the West Bank and Israel. In many areas, it cuts uh, many kilometers into the West Bank. Uh, in some cases, Cutting off Palestinian villages from their from their land and thus from their livelihood. It's separating whole villages in half. If you went to Bethlehem, you would see uh, the, how the wall snakes through the center of uh, right through the center of the city. Uh, and to many people, including myself, the wall is less of a security uh, effort and more of a land grab. It's it's creating a a new kind of border between Israel and the West Bank uh, in advance of any kind of real viable valid negotiations between the two sides to uh, uh, come up with a, with a, with a 
just solution to this problem. It's a state solution. And it's so, about the land, and and it's it's so important to Israel. I learned to stay a Jewish state, and the the land almost is like like American gerrymandering, right. trying to keep it Jewish and 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 at the exclusion of anybody. It reminded me for another conversation of the demographic changes. And, and what that's done to the political landscape in our country here, and that how hard, just like voting rights in this country, how hard the Israeli government is marginalizing and, and creating second-class citizens by not allowing Palestinians to become citizens or to live within the borders of what they are intent on keeping a Jewish state. And that's, I think you've pinpointed the, the crux of, of the issue, really, as I understand it, and that is that Zionism, which is the, the movement to create a politically Jewish state, uh, and the state of Israel as a Jewish state, is predicated on this concept of having an ethnic Jewish majority within a certain, you know, a certain designated area of land. And once you go down that route, um, you go down the route of exclusion along ethnic lines. And you go down a very dark road, and it's um, not only going on, you know, vis-a-vis Israel and the West Palestinians of the West Bank. Um, there are many um, inherently discriminatory laws between Jews and non-Jews, namely Palestinian citizens of Israel within Israel itself. And when you traveled through Israel, you know, you saw the Jewish Israel, uh, but your bus went by numerous times. I'm sure. Um, the remnants of Palestinian villages that were destroyed in 1947 and 48 in order to make way for this ethnically Jewish state. Yes. Uh, hundreds and hundreds, over 400 Palestinian villages that were ethnically cleansed, essentially, of their indigenous inhabitants so that a Jewish majority could be established in this state. And that's yes. a very dark reality. That it, 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 it is. Even even right. Ein Hod, this wonderful artist community, it was explained to me while we were there that Ein Hod is up the road and it's where the Palestinian uh, residents of this village were displaced to and it was very poignant that while we were there looking at the museum that's the old mill, um, a Palestinian family walked up and said my family ran this mill when, when this was our village. You know, the, the, in Ein Hod, the, the uh, restaurant, the main restaurant there is the old mosque okay. uh, of, of old Ein Hod. And so I just I'm hope glad that, that when you went there, you were able to get at least a little bit of the real history of that place. We, we really tried. My, Brant Rosen, um, if you go to rabbibrant.com, R-A-B-B-I-B-R-A-N-T.com, you'll find Shalom Rav, a blog by Rabbi Brant Rosen that really is the, the depth and breadth, and, and it's, it's what I read weekly to try to stay abreast of these things. Brant, thank you for this quick call and this, this quick reality check, and, and not a counterpoint, a real compliment to my Holy Land journal. I want to get back to our conversation on another occasion. I'm going to follow up. I appreciate you calling. I appreciate folks listening, and I'm very, very grateful not only to have had the chance to travel to the Holy Land, to the Promised Land, to Israel, Palestine, but to be able to talk about it here today on my radio show, The Grateful Day. Radio Hour. Thanks to Rabbi Rosen. Thanks to everyone for listening. Tune in next week. We're going to have Ron Feingold do an acapella comedy. Until then, I just want to remind you to be grateful. See you next time. Should you make no
Let's all live till I don't care. So much. 